They're taking cherubin pots strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time looms. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. So where were we? Uh, you were taking the seasickness pills yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah, and hoping for the best. We keep jigging, and for a while I'm fine, I'm good. I start allowing myself to imagine a, a chunder-free fishing future. But sure enough, mild nausea gives way to the complete spewathon. Oh no. Through the fingers and oh. the beard, on the reel. No. She's shaking her head at me, and Daz just shoots me this look and just says, Bro, there is no way we're driving you back to the ramp. So. What? Oh, hang on. Beard. Whoops. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishers, welcome to the Tinny. On a week where, in the absence of Timothy Roger Moore, we look to the heavens and the movements of the great heavenly celestial bodies for an event 18.6 years in the making. Tim's middle name is Roger? I'm not actually sure about that, but it sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Well, Tim, Roger Moore Tim sounds Tim Roger fantastic. Moore, yeah, yeah. Bond. Anyway, this is an episode sort of de- dedicated to a tide, uh, Andy. Um, and, and forget about your obsession with with Darwin's uh, three tide days. It's all about the two tider. Ah. Mm. I'll explain a bit more later. But but basically, October first tide is pretty rare for Darwin, uh, and uh, and it all has to do with the perturbations of the moon. Sounds, perturbations. Sounds fascinating, Beard. Perturbations. I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. Mm. Uh, we'll actually get a proper explanation from one of the country's leading tide boffins, uh, but we're going to get a top barra fisher to translate that weird tide for us in terms of what it means for fishing this weekend. And the good news is it's good news. How have you been, Andy? Been good, Beard. Um, got to say that I've just done a work trip that sort of turned out a little bit nasty in the end, had a car breakdown, got stuck in Timber Creek for two days. Uh, went, went, went to a national park right on the WANT border mm. uh, called Keep River and, and out of work time, I had a couple of hours off, went for a walk with my rod, with the soft plastic, everything ready. Beautiful. Looking for Keep River. I found it. That's the good news. Uh, the bad news is there's no water in Keep River. You have to go a lot closer to the ocean. <laughs> so I think I probably became the first person ever to walk that. What's effectively a, a remote bush trail and then, and with then, a fully loaded um, baitcaster. <laughs> and then it just became a mission about not being seen by anybody, I imagine. Oh, luckily, there was no one else there. But, uh, yeah, interesting trip. Beautiful country, though. So I was down uh, in the Ayatollahs region there, the Victoria Daly River region. Mm. And uh, it's, it did have a bit of a flick at one point uh, in the Vic River off the land-based spot there. It, I tell you what, it, it just looks fantastic, um, the, the, the fishing around there. I've, I've really never explored it, so it's still on the bucket list to do. Hey, um, it, was, uh, it was Warren's birthday last week, uh, by the way. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah. Happy birthday to the big fella. I did send him a message there out on one of the stock routes uh, just to say good day. 
Is that, here I am, Warren. Um, I've got a fishing rod at a dry river. Um, <laughs> yeah, thinking it. of you. <laughs> thinking of you. Uh, well, lots on the show this week, Beard. Uh, we've got fishing reports uh, around the harbour, of course, which has been producing. Cloudy water, you cast into that, you'll see your lure a little bit. You'll feel the taps as it just sort of rubs the bottom real slow. And as it gets through the drain and maybe into the dark water or the deeper water, the fish are there. And yeah, 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 I say it's back. Yeah, Million Dollar Fish Season 7. We jump on the Red Tag release boat once again to find out what's different this year and what's the same. What is different this year, Andy, is that you're not on the boat with me and you don't, uh, you're not able to give the, the very stirring pep talk to the, to the Barra as it's released. Um, yeah, I miss not doing that this year. Mm. I was off chasing fish in a river with no water. <laughs> Ripped off. <laughs> you're on Tales from the Tinny. She sort of must have panicked a little bit and she went full throttle backwards. How the hell did that happen? I can't believe we're still laughing after all this shit. And we're going to do it again. Tales from the Tinny. G'day, Clayton Archibald from Palmo here. August, September are definitely the best months of the year to go fishing in the harbour. Went on the weekend for a solo trip. A few of the uh, regulars fell through, so I went by myself. Before we get on to your solo trip... August, September, what's your theory on that? Why? Why is it best? I reckon it's because uh, we get rid of the cold weather and the fish, they just start to really fire up. As soon as you get that, that warm weather come August, mate, the fishing is, is triple, it's sensational. So definitely the best time to be out there. But before it gets really stinking and you start getting showers, you mean? Yeah, October's uh, really hit and miss. I reckon uh, once that heat really picks up, those mud flats get too hot. And the fish get lethargic and they just don't, yeah, it's just different. Uh, but definitely, um, if I was to choose a month, September's my go-to month for harbour fishing. All right, back to the solo mission. Low tide was 1.6 at uh, Sunday afternoon. You sort of look at that and think, well, I can't really miss out on that 1.6 on a Sunday afternoon. So my regulars pulled out, but I thought, oh, well, I'll keep going and go by myself and put in at uh, Lizzie uh, out of Palmerston and just found a, I've got a couple of regular spots I used to fish years ago. Targeting the first of the push or what? Always, uh, it's like a five-hour session, so you want to be there three hours before the low, and then you fish for about two hours. Once that two-hour marks up, normally the water's come in too much, and they've sort of they've gone up the gutters and up the creeks. But um, definitely, uh, yeah, three before and two after, and the fish really seem to fire actually on the incoming tide. So a lot of people go fishing, they think, oh, you know, dropping tide's the best. I actually prefer the incoming tide. That first turn and the push. They really fire hard for about the first hour and a bit. You were chucking uh, prawn soft plastics around uh, for the most part? I'd normally have like three rods rigged up. I'll have a hard body, like a small little twitchy hard body uh, and a prawn and then maybe a uh, little plastic and just work different rods and, you know, different stages of the tide. And, but generally the key, well, the key is absolutely just to go slow. You know, you'd be fishing there and people go too fast and they're pulling the lures back too high in the water. Go slow, roll it across the bottom. The barra are always in there, they're in those gutters, they sit in those drains. And I think when you get that lure nice and low, nice and slow, I don't even twitch sometimes, just roll it really slowly across the bottom. Like you'll be in the outside of a drain or a gutter, cloudy water, you cast into that, you'll see your lure a little bit, you'll feel the taps as it just sort of rubs the bottom real slow. And as it gets through the drain and maybe into the dark water or the deeper water, the fish are there. I mean, you can cast a gutter 10 times in a row, not get a hit, and on the 11th cast, whack. So that means the fish was there the whole time. He just 
wasn't ready. <laughs> so this ideal scenario here, what are you casting into and how deep is it by the time you've actually brought the lure to the boat? Yeah, the drains are like dead uh, shallow. So you'll basically cast just in the mud or just, just below the waterline and then it gets from 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 centimetre deep and as you bring it through that, that mud line and the fish are always in that mud line, you know, that's, you, you just, you just got to persevere, I suppose. But they're, they're certainly there. No, I know you weren't too far from the Lizzie ramp. How far are we talking and how much, how much fuel did you actually burn through for this session? Because it sounds like a, f- a fairly economical way to fish. The old uh, 60 Suzuki only uh, goes pretty well, but I used two litres of fuel for the, for the whole day. Uh, mind you, a lot of the fishing is done by the electric, so it's just a matter of getting to the spot, put down the electric, put the stereo on in the boat and just trawl up and down with electric flicking gutters all day. So two litres of fuel for a you know, couple of barra, not bad. What are you pumping on the stereo? Uh, there'll be a bit of M&M and then there'll be a bit of um, uh, cold chisel or there'll be a bit of, uh, I don't know, the Bee Gees, you, you name it, anything. And I'll tell you, the music doesn't, I, I've done it a few times, on a flat I probably wouldn't listen to the music, but in the gutters and drains you get the music going. The fish, oh, you know, I snuck up to Barramundi four metres away and the music going and I'm like trying not to even breathe because I'm trying to hold it in, you know, I can see the sparrow on the, on the surface and yet didn't even blink, didn't, didn't worry about Eminem, so might be a good thing. All right, what were the results of this day? Yeah, well, on this trip, I actually bagged three keepers, and I got, I think I got 11 all up, so quite a few in between that sort of 40 and 50 mark, um, but in between them, there was, yeah, a couple of nice keepers, and I lost a couple of good ones as well, so, you know, I had a pretty good day for, for a solo trip, yeah. Uh, so how big? Like in, in the 50s, 60s? Yeah, uh, 57, 58, and then one was 68. So I'll tell you something about the uh, the biggest fish I caught on the day. It was really weird. Um, I was cruising up and I saw him sitting in a little cutout. As I got closer there, I looked, had a look at him and I thought he was on his side with his head basically resting on the mud on his side. And this fish was 68 centimetres long. And I'm looking at it going, well, that's weird. It looked like he was actually sleeping. It was really weird. Anyway, I cast to him got the wrong end of him and went past his tail and I think the next cast landed on the bank about 10 centimetres in front of his nose and as soon as that lure hit the water it just landed in the water bang he smashed it and he was up awake and off and uh, yeah 68 centimetres and he's in the esky so happy days. You said 1.6 low is that a pretty sweet spot for you? Yeah definitely uh, I mean I look at the tide chart at the start of the year and try and pick weekends where the tides are and actually this year was terrible uh, most of the tides are uh, not on the weekends, which is, you know, if you're working Monday to Friday, that's no good for you. But if you can get a, a 1.6, I like them in the mornings, actually not the afternoon, but this one was in the afternoon, um, up to about a 2.3 is probably the best barotides. Um, anything higher, the drains don't come out enough. There's still water in the drains, and I reckon the fish or the bait sits up there so they don't come right out. Um, and anything much lower, like a metre, yeah, they're all right, but they're really dirty. You've got no clarity, and, yeah, you probably catch more catfish and sharks than you do barra. Wind's a bigger factor too. Wherever you go, if you can get out of the wind, you won't get that ripple, you'll get a bit more clarity, you won't get the mud stirring up. Um, so you've got to do the leeward sides of any of the creeks or wherever you're going to be will be the most productive. Anything else that you thought you were doing right uh, to make that happen that sort of gave you an edge? Solo trips are funny. I, I don't, it's not my preferred way. I always got a couple of mates and you know, entertainment talking, yakking, stirring each other up is, is good fun. But when you're there by yourself, you've got a couple of positives and that's. You got the spot to yourself, you get the first cast into that drain and the second and the third and the fourth 
and any fish you actually catch, you catch it rather than your mate. So it's always good to uh, do the odd solo trip and it's very cathartic. You're out there in nature, no one, no phones, nobody around you. You've got the, the whole control of everything you do, the boat, the where you're going, what you're going to do. I mean, concentration-wise, well, you're in a zone when you're by yourself, so you just really fish hard. <laughs> All right, Clayton, thanks again for catching up with the tinny. Good fishing, man. Yeah, thanks, Beard. Just, mate, that August, September, get out there and get into them. They're out there. And good to find that out at the start of October. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Put it in your diary for next year. <laughs> uh, nice solo barra mission in the harbour, that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that was, that was good. He sounds like a very sensible and clever angler. I, I like it. And Clayton will be fishing Teb's uh, Adelaide River round this weekend as well. It's sort of considered his nemesis from memory. You remember this? He got towed back, didn't he, to the boat ramp last year? I think it's the nemesis of many fish shows. Yeah, um, it is. So, it's so a, I think, the dark temptress. Yeah. There'll be trepidation uh, in the heads of, of Teb's fish shows. Perhaps. Maybe. Maybe they'll brain it. And I did like the music thing there, B, that you touched on, because we get a lot of different ideas, a lot of theories on music on the boat. I, for one, don't do it. Eminem. Um, I don't do music on the boat. Oh, period. Period, yeah. Wow. Oh, sorry, there is one exception. There's one song that my daughter will play when we're tuna fishing if we're not catching. Yeah. Uh, it's called The Ocean Is My Church. It's on YouTube. And we'll crank that up, and that does make a difference to the catch. But certainly barra fishing, I would never, ever consider putting tunes on. Yeah, actually, could someone just pop a GoPro in uh, underwater near the boat for us so we can actually hear what it sounds like with the pumping beats on the boat in the water to see what maybe the barra might be hearing? Because maybe that would give us an idea. Maybe the barra can't hear Eminem. Maybe they're hearing it and they're liking it. Maybe they're schooling up in the, the mosh pit under the skeg, just hanging out the back of the boat. <laughs> the music, the Boys, magic, the moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably not. Yeah. Tales from the tinny. Get a muddled up your brass. Low. Tag. Holy lord. Most. Tag. Follow. Shoot it. Share it. Upload. Shout it. Give us a hoy. And another hoy where it's less hoy and more a series of public service announcement and, 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 uh, and, and what's been happening in sort of in fishing. It's still hoy. It's still, yeah. It's still Hoy. It comes under the banner of Hoy. Well, the music. We, we played the intro, so it's, it's yeah, definitely Hoy. That's Hoy, yeah. During the week, I'm not sure if you saw this, a fisher, fisher in uh, Albany who's actually on YouTube, he goes to these great lengths to kind of abseil down cliffs and stuff, like to hardcore land-based fishing. Yes. So he's pretty big on YouTube. YouTube gave him a ban. Um, he served a 30-day ban on monetizing his video content after claiming his videos amounted to animal cruelty. So this is um, uh, uh, Guido's fishing adventures. Apparently, they define it, YouTube defines it, uh, animal abuse content as depicting the malicious infliction of physical harm causing an animal or group of animals to experience suffering. And and his defense was like, all I'm doing is dispatching fish humanely to eat. Mm. So he kind of like, okay, well, maybe I'll have to change some videos. But... Um, but YouTube's guidelines state exceptions to the bans over animal cruelty are made for generally accepted practices such as hunting, trapping, pest abatement, food prep, medical treatment, or animal slaughter. So it's a curious precedent, perhaps, uh, because there's lots of fishing uh, YouTube videos where people are dispatching fish. So what YouTube's call on, you know, in uh, in all of those cases is, we'll keep watching. 
And that Hooked on Palmerston competition bid starts this week on the 1st of October. Oh, yep. You might have seen that in the media. There's $10,000 worth of vouchers uh, to be spent at local businesses, open to all ages. Five prizes are worth 250 bucks each for the first five tag barra in the Palmo Lakes each month. That's pretty cool. Like, where else in the world can you go suburban barra fishing and have, have a crack at prizes like this? That, yeah, that's it. It, it's it's we're living the dream. Um, then at the beginning of the month they release a lucky barra tag, and that's worth a grand. It jackpots if it's not caught, peaking at four grand. Mm. So many of those um those like Jurak uh, Lakes rats heading down there for a flick anyway, uh, who now have a much better reason to. It's much like MDF gives people an excuse to to go fishing. And the roads into those lakes. Uh, beard I'm told are in very good condition at the moment (laughs) (laughs) so you're not going to break your you don't need a trailer because it's land based you're not going to break your car it's all accessible it's it's very economical fishing uh, and, and and in fact uh, you know you can have a round of golf put a, have a rod in uh, you know in, in, in with the, in with the clubs and uh, and have a good chance of uh, catching a prize of $250 very civilized and the details there all on the Palmerston Council website another comp uh, coming up too this weekend the Alua ladies fishing comp down on the Vic yes uh, Friday Saturday it's the fourth year for them they've doubled in size this year having uh, 27 teams total of 88 anglers it's, there's not that many ladies comps getting around down there. Those guys have to come up to Darwin to, to, to fish comps with, with other chicks. Yes. So that's kicking off this weekend. Uh, we'll hopefully be catching up with uh, one of the winners next week. And finally, be it a reminder that the Daily River seasonal closure starts on October the 1st. This is the seasonal closure put in place to protect the important spawning habitat area for Barra. Mm. And that's, for those that don't know, that's from the mouth of the Daily right up to Moon Billabong in that corner where there's always a sign. You two can give us a hoy uh, fishers. Uh, jump to uh, fishing at abc.net.au or find us on Facebook. Shoot it, share it, shout it. Give us a hoy. So, Andy, you know how I was banging on about that weird tide at the start of the month? Yes, I do. <laughs> there was almost a complete absence of the midday neat pie, mm. rendering it a two-tide day. You love this, don't you? I, yeah, I love it. I, really I thought I was the nerd on the show. Quite happy stepping into the nerd you're seat. The, you're the tide nerd. Yeah. With a similar tide coming up on October 1st, uh, I decided to go to one of the preeminent tide boffins to ask about this. His name's James Chittleborough from the Bureau of Meteorology's Tide Unit in Adelaide. And it turns out my hunch was pretty right. It's rare for Darwin. He explained it, but, but, but the tides being complex things, he had to preface it with his first principle spiel. Uh, I'll summarise like this. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. Okay. In the places where you get springs and neap tides, right, the springs are when the sun and the moon are both in alignment, you know, with the earth. So yes. the gravitational forces combine. It pulls, yep. Tides are bigger. Yep. The neaps, when the moon sits at 90 degrees to that sort of plane. So the gravitational forces of the sun and moon cancel each other out. Yep. That's the first bit. Mm-hmm. But it's way more complex than that. There's heaps more cycles going on sort of, you know, up in the heavens. Everything's slightly out of whack up there with wobbling orbits and axes and stuff. Climate change. (laughs) COVID. Yeah, I understand. There's variables. Lots of variables. And some of those cycles take a long, long time to complete. Okay. Um, And they come in and out of phase. Okay, so with that said, this rare tide has to do with one of those cycles that takes a lot longer to complete. Anyway, I'll let him explain. The height of the actual high tides from one, like two high tides in the same day, may not always be the same height. And similarly, the low tide. That 
inequality between the daily high or the daily low is a diurnal effect. When we get to the neap tides, that's when sometimes those effects of the moon and the sun uh, cancel out to a degree and the diurnal effect comes in. That's the once a day tide. So we actually miss one of the daily two higher tides, which we've observed, and you only get the one tide for the whole day. You mentioned before that there's so many variables that come into sort of making these tides, but presumably they come in cycles and you can kind of predict them to a, to a certain extent. How often would we expect to see this sort of lack of the, the semi-diurnal tide in Darwin? I actually went and looked at 100 years of, of uh, tide prediction data because it did raise my interest as well. And this is the first time we've seen it since uh, 2009, would you believe, where we've missed that second daily high tide. Um, and then looking at the numbers over 100 years, it, it appears that it only happens every 18.6 years or so that this feature comes, but it, it sticks around um, for a number of years, like about six years. So, for instance, we've seen it for the first time for a while in 2021, but we're going to see it continue to occur until about 2027 but um, not every year. <laughs> and in saying that, it only happens around the time of the equinoxes. So that's March or September, around those months. So you'll only see this in sort of February, March or April or August, September, October, only a couple of times a year for about six years, every 18 years. So it's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty rare event, I must admit. So cycles, yeah. different cycles interacting with, with other cycles at the same time. <laughs> That's exactly right. One of the things that is relates to the 18.6 years, that's the actual the period of wobble of the moon's orbit on its axis. So the plane of orbit of the moon actually rotates and recedes around the Earth and wobbles a little bit every 18.6 years. The scientific term of it is called the regression of the lunar nodes. It actually just modulates the daily high and low waters that you would actually see um, to, to a certain degree. And that's why um, it, it's very much a, when all the planets align and when all the cycles are, you know, interacting with each other that you'll get this uh, peculiar behaviour where, where you miss that afternoon high tide. So, yeah, it's everything. It's everything thrown in. It's definitely a, a very rare event uh, for Darwin, that is, but not so rare elsewhere. Yeah, okay. Beard, I, I think I could actually hear your head hurting mm. as that was being played. It was a struggle, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I should have gone into that with um, with uh, full polystyrene balls hanging from the roof with the earth and the moon and the sun and stuff just to, just to help my, get my brain around it. But, but, you know, but the long and short of it is many gravitational factors, cycles, interacting with other cycles, one of them being that 18.6 year one, mm. the slight change in the lunar plane of orbit over 18.6 years. The long and short of that is that next time uh, you know, we get a two-tide day, we can say, yeah, mate, it's pretty obviously just the regression of the lunar nodes, <laughs> plus a bunch of other stuff. Your interstate tourists are going to love it when you roll that one out. <laughs> it's the lunar nodes, mate. And it's every 18 years. It's no wonder Cam Brody's never seen one before, Beard. He was probably still in, in nappies. Big ones, yeah. The, the adult ones. Yeah. <laughs> Last time that happened. Well, well, yeah. He was not an adult. You say he was in adult-sized nappies, but as a child. Yeah, Because yeah. he's such a large Yeah, human. I'm not saying that Cam Brody wears adult-sized <laughs> nappies. Sorry, Cam. That's, it was confusing. And all that came from a chat about the tides. Mm. Wow. By the way, I did have to ask James Chittleborough, though, uh, one last question. That in the world of tide science, are there any jokes that get thrown around? And there was one. 
But I gotta give you a warning. It's terrible. But also great. There's sort of one, it's not very funny, but it's this concept of a tidal bore. <laughs> so um, I might come across as a tidal bore, <laughs> but there's actually a natural thing called a tidal bore. Yeah, I think we think it happens on the Daly River. Yeah, yeah. So that's the only thing. You can say that we're the tidal bores, but it's no, no. It's the one on the Daly River, mate. Tales from the city. Well, I think the last time we talked to this next fella, he was pretty keen to uh, arrange a new boat beard. Mm. But in the meantime, of course, he's been forced to scab rides on other boats, you know, to call in favours and, and do what you do. He's probably, if anyone's got, like, mate boat credits, it would have to be Shane Compain, wouldn't it? He's probably got a few. He's, he's probably, probably got, got a few. few. But <laughs> he's just been making do in the meantime, hasn't he? Have you got a boat yet, Shane, or are you still cashing those credits in? Nah, still cashing the credits in. Um, I've got a few, though. <laughs> yeah, your, ba- uh, no, your balance would be all right, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the negatives with my old man, but so i got his boat at the moment. So, But i, I got a lifetime debt to him anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Just well, raising you and, and everything. Well, let's, let's get on to the fishing. You, you've been doing a bit um, yourself, but this two-tide day on Friday, you remember the last time that happened? We're really keen to unpack uh, people's thoughts on the two-tide day. Yeah, it's... Um, Pretty cool, though. Like, uh, there was obviously that one in September, um, which I happened to be out in the water on, and then we've got, a, got another one this Friday. But when we come across them, it's like, wow, you think it's a, a misprint on the tide diary. Like, you think, oh, no. I literally thought, oh, no, they've just mucked it up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, it's legit. It's a two-tide day. So in, obviously, the Gulf and that sort of stuff, they're fairly common. But, um, yeah, I can't not remember the last time I've seen one. So what does your fishing brain say about the two-tide day? Uh, it says clean water, mm. Um, mm. and pretty much, as you know, Darwin, we got mega tides, and clean water is very, very hard to come by, and that's why when you're fishing the neeps, there's literally like a select two to three days every two weeks where if you want to fish in the build-up, or you know, from after wet season, you don't have that water clarity. So yeah, you need those, you need that um, Pacific tides to get that really clean water, and um, for it to have only had two movements, you that water is going to clean up fantastic, I'd reckon. And then those following two days after it, the Saturday, Sunday, which happened to fall on a weekend, um, so everyone can get out there and give it a crack. But, yeah, I reckon it should be pretty awesome fishing just purely because of the the water clarity that it will bring and just in the areas where you just don't get that sort of clarity, you know what I mean? Like, um, like Shady Camp and just areas where it is so, so um, tide-dependent on... Um, getting clean water, um, it's it's a goer. So the last time, so the last two tides back in September a month ago, where had you placed yourself, you know, for that tide and, and, and how was that experience? Um, I was coastal fishing, uh, obviously, for Barra. It was bizarre, though, because the, the Darwin Port Authority tide said it's a two-tide day, but then I was looking at my sounder, which was saying, no, it's four tides today. You, you're wrong. And I was really confused for the day trying to convert between the two because because the tide was so slow i didn't know if it turned yet and it was quite confusing but um the fishing was really really good and we fished the creek on the incoming and it just crept in so slow and it was just the smoke it was like a smoky clean blue water that i hadn't seen like that so for example on a normal tide when the tide comes in like that you might get like a tops half an hour opening when the fish will come through mm. and they'll push past you and then the dirty water will come through 
but it, it lasted like three hours this day. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't get we didn't get any, like any fish over a meter, and that we got a few fish in the 80s, but lots of 60s and 70s. But it was just constant good fishing, um, which was a surprise. I didn't think it was going to be like that, but obviously, I think with the slow movement, the water clarity, the fish obviously take an opportunity of it, um, and they were feeding very hard. Like, I didn't expect it to be that good. I was expecting the day after. So that's why I'm, like, this coming week on the Friday, I'd, by looking at the tide, you'd believe the better fishing would be on the Saturday, Sunday, when it kind of flicks back into normal mode. But you're going to get the four movements, so everything's back to normal, but you get the water clarity. Where on the Friday, you've got an outgoing that goes for, I think it's like nine, I think it's high at 11 and low again at 10 or something that night. It was funny, one of my friends is like, I'm going to Shoal Bay. I'm so excited, I can't wait to go there. I'm like... Uh, on Friday, I'm like, you do know it's a two-tired day. And they're like, what? A what? <laughs> like, they haven't even looked at the tides. I'm like, just letting you know, because if you get in there, you won't be getting out till like midnight. They're oh, like, what? <laughs> That's going <laughs> to be like, That tide's going to go out for like 11 hours. So, um, <laughs> but the bait, everything's just in slow motion. But like I said, on like, the last two-tired day, the fish fed consistently and hard that whole time. Obviously, not just randomly, though, in, in like certain spots. Like I was fishing a, a pressure wave on a rock bar that built up over it. So the fish are sitting in front of the rock bar, fishing the front, fishing the pressure wave. And obviously, as the bait filters through to them, they keep feeding until the rock bar is then completely exposed. Uh, sorry, the water goes fully over it um, and then gets to a certain depth. And then the bait fish can swim over the rock bar without getting ambushed as easy. And then the fish move on. But that, that period of time lasted, yeah, literally for like two hours. Wow, well, I like. Yeah, it was I, cool. I like the concept of the extended bite window. Yeah, Any... I, that's, I was very surprised, and I did take advantage of that trip. We fished a spot that is so subject to wind, like it's just. I think I've gone to that spot say thirty times, and I've got it twice when it's been perfect. Both those times were after a mega storm had just come through, like lightning, thunder, and then you get that glass out after it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, I've never got it like that. And on that particular day, because of the tide, we fished it on the high and the water clarity and everything was amazing. And, yeah, we got plenty of fish. Well, talking of wind, Shane, it looks like those westerlies are heading back towards us. Um, you were going to go out chasing billies this weekend. Is, is that still on for you? No, I pulled the pin, man. Um, i got, yeah, 12 mates. We're going on a boat for two days, going around Dundee. But, yeah, no, half of them get seasick and the smell of vomit and that sort of stuff is not... <laughs> that enticing and a few of the lads are just <laughs> half of them are like nah let's just go and the other half are like nah I'm happy let's just so we're gonna postpone it for a week but yeah oh man the Wesley's Wesley's stand for the worst so and look, um, I mean I, it's 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 smart the, look the smell of vomit it's a cascading effect on a boat isn't it uh, it's just sort of it's quite <laughs> contagious oh it just gets the morale going you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it gets a few things going um oh. on to your recent fishing um can we talk about your partner Ash's big barra, Shane? She is kissed on the ass. <laughs> she just, <laughs> she's just got that touch, eh? Um, I don't know, it's just there's certain people, certain women on Ash, she's got that touch where she's beaten me at the moment for meteries this year and she's gotten all the big fish. Um, she just does the right things, persists. Like that big fish was caught on the cast, so it was quite funny because before she got that fish, she lost one that was bigger Anyway, we're fishing the spot, seen them. I don't know why did I put on a small lure, and she's just tied on the biggest soft plastic that you could find. And I'm like, I should be doing that, but I didn't think they were going to eat. And the next minute, she's hooked this fish. It's coming out of the water like horse. And 
just throwing the rubbish straight over her head. And it was so funny because she had like a little tantrum. Like she fell on the ground and like rolled around. And she's like, kill me now. She's like, <laughs> she's like I want to bed you my sandwich. And had like a little tantrum. <laughs> and I just said, don't worry about it. Just get up. They're still here. I was like, keep like trying to, you know, push through it because you'll get another chance. But I'm like, you know, you're not because that thing was a donkey and they only come around once every five years. And then behold, that an hour later, she's on again. And yeah, she landed that behemoth of a fish. I netted it and I just looked at him and went, you just got another 120 plus, but it wasn't. It was a 114, but the perfect example is its bottom jaw. Uh, when you get the bow grips, the lip grips, any fish I've ever got over 120, you can't get the lip grips over its bottom jaw because of the size. And this fish, we couldn't get the big bow grips over its bottom jaw. So I was like, ha, this thing's huge. And we measured it and I'm like, what? So, something's not right. Like, pulled it off, pulled it, like, picked the bragging mag up, bragging that up, looked at it. <laughs> no, no, she's good. Put it back down, measured it again. No, she's a 114. Wow. But, um, it was just a football. Oh, oh, just, yeah, awesome fish, as you can see in the photo. When she's catching those fish uh, and, and, she's, and she's beating you on the scoreboard, you know, is, <laughs> is it actually you that should be reaching for the Vegemite sandwich, uh, you know, to, so- to soothe your emotions? Oh, well, I'm gluten-free in that, so I can't eat a veggie in my sandwich. But, <laughs> yeah, no, don't worry. No, I'm, I'm just happy to get them in the boat, so, and I'm extra proud of it when she gets them. So, no, it's, it, it goes both ways. Good on you, Shane. Well, um, all the very best, mate, for, uh, for getting a boat. But in the meantime, you, I, I, like I said in the intro there, you've got a, a big bank full of credits, so I'm sure you've probably got a couple of years' worth left to cash in. Before, yeah, I sure before, do. Before your boat arrives. And, um, and thanks for the tip there, too. Um, showing us another way to measure the big fish, which is basically whether or not you can fit the grips across the bottom lip. I'd never thought of that. <laughs> no, well, it's never a problem that it's we've never had a problem to that I've ever had to no. deal with. But if that ever happens, I'll remember that little tip. It is a rare occasion, but yeah. <laughs> on you, Shane. Catch you, bro. Sure. Thanks, guys. Subscribe to the Tales from the Tinny podcast, and you'll be able to pull a refreshing, thirst-quenching, truth-bending fishing yarn whenever you want. Subscribe to the podcast at abc.net.au slash tinny on the ABC Listen app or your preferred podcast provider to hear more yarns like this. Well, another year goes by, and here we are, back on the harbour at... Uh, Undisclosed location. Brad Fanning from MDF doing the honours, plopping some red tag barra around the harbour uh, a week out from uh, MDF. Brad, how you going, man? Yeah, could be back, season seven. It's like Christmas, it's just every year, it just comes around pretty quick. It must be muscle memory for you by this stage, just you know, re- releasing tag fish into the harbour. I don't know if I'm getting any better as a caster, but... Um, yeah, we've got some fish and we're ready to go. And I, um, it's a pleasure to be back in Darwin for a few months. And uh, where else would you want to be? Why you'd want to be here in a black turtleneck and a beret again, I've got no idea. Why do you persist with this uniform? Well, it's, uh, it's my camouflage and I've got to blend into the natural environment. Sort of um, suits my style, I think. You're in the beret and the turtleneck. We've got the fella dressed in black with the balaclava on the tiller steer. <laughs> It's a bloody weird operation you guys run here, but you get it done. 
How has the collection of 101 barra gone this year for tagging? Yeah, the condition of fish have been really healthy uh, across the board. Often I obviously um, use many different methods and and, and ways to get ourselves um, to the, the magic 101 number. Cast net. <laughs> it's, um, it's, uh, the, the, and the guys from fisheries have really noticed this year that we've had some solid recruitment and lots of different age classes. So I think the system overall, uh, with another strong wet predicted, I think we're in, you know, everyone's going to be in for some good times. When you say using different methods, what do you mean? Um, the electric fish boat gets a good workout with us. It's um, I'm actually probably one of the better electric fishers than I am uh, a fishers with a line or a, <laughs> and a hook. Brad, you want to come over here and press the big red button? Oh, beautiful! Yeah, so um, that's been good. And with that, we also get to tag some other fish for fisheries in their uh, in their research. So I think overall um, we're in a pretty good space. And to be very close to October first is um, makes me pretty happy. How does that work when you're, you're on the fisheries electrofish boat? Is it a case of, like, let's flick some lures and then resort to the electrofish, or are you just going straight to it? You boys have got to know me pretty well over the years. I'm more straight to it, man. You're a lazy man. <laughs> well, lazy man and um, not a lot of skill. And, they, and the fish are actually, they've, um, they recover really well, and our recapture rates to electrofish fish have been, been really strong too. So that's a positive thing for, uh, for the punters biggest fish that you've tagged this year i think it's around 96 so um we've got a few more days to go i was hoping you could help me catch a uh, metery today (laughs) i'm no good on a big red button bro (laughs) yeah so we've got some good sized fish across the board i think the average overall has been up all right before we get to how this year's uh, comp is a little bit different the actual million dollar fish I think it's fair to say by season seven, tensions are at a crescendo for people just needing the million dollar fish to go off. Tell me, this is the year it's going to go off. I'm really hopeful. I've got a very large check that has burnt a hole in our pocket for a long time. So if someone could please just catch this year's million dollar number or any one of the other seven numbers that are out there and published, please. You've changed things up a little bit this year. Just give me a quick summary of how this year is different. Yeah, this year, looking to really add some excitement to it. Prize pool, just for putting your name into the system and registering for Million Dollar Fish, there's, oh, I think, $50,000 plus worth of prizes that are there just to be, uh, just you don't even have to catch a fish, which would probably suit me. <laughs> You've changed up the charity fish this year a bit too, eh? Every red tag that's caught is going to give $1,000 to one specific charity, which we are in the process. That'll be announced uh, I think on the, on the 30th, I think we're going to announce which charity. We, it's an NT charity. That charity is going to get some sizable money and hopefully we can get you know, 10, 15, 20 red tags caught this season and, and give them a good bit of cash. Because I'd say that there has been criticism in the past. It's like, well, they've obviously got a big bag of money. Why can't they just give the charities more money? And this is how you're doing it. Yeah, every tag fits the charities in for, for 1000 So the more tags we've caught, um, the happier we are to give some more money back to the charity. We've got the tanker sitting up on the uh, cast deck here. Safe to say, every uh, red tag bar out there has probably been dropped on the cast deck by Brad. Good sized fish. Uh, this one's been rehabilitated at DAC. Pushing 70 almost. Yeah, I think he's, yeah, I think he's 70, 70, um, yeah, 71, 72. When someone finds him, they'll have a pretty good day, won't they? Oh, this bar is ready to get out of the net. Right, All right, you do the honours. Fishing a wide range of areas across the top end for the purpose of, of, of tagging Barra, you must have got into some hijinks. Tell us about a couple of the experiences. 
as you know, we put fish in each one of the five regions. We're you know, everywhere and nowhere at the same time. And I think this year, um, well, obviously, you know, we've had fish caught at Mountain Dam before and Mountain Dam gets a little hit out and, yeah, we battled there. <laughs> we battled all day and battled and battled and battled. And I wanted to give up pretty much three or four hours in and uh, one of our comrades from fisheries just would not allow it. And finally, <laughs> at the end of the day, in the last quarter, with a minute to go, we got what we needed to get done and some red tags are there. <laughs> Struggled in Manton. Hardest place to fish in the NT. There you go. Anything else? Uh, my first territory experience getting caught in the Gulf down at, um, at King Ash. We had a good four and a half hours on a mud bar and came home in the dark. Four and a half hours, mate. It's nothing. No torches. We ran out of beer. Okay, that's something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty brutal. <laughs> Look, I couldn't forgive myself if I didn't ask you these questions. How many red tags in the harbour? <laughs> Several. How many in Corroboree? Some. Tiwis? Oh, yeah. Yellow water? Okay. Daily? Keep going. Bino. Red tags everywhere. Everywhere you go. Just look for the bloke in the beret and the turtleneck. All right, Brad. Good to catch up again. Good luck with the comp this year. Cheers, mate. And fellow in the balaclava, thank you too. <laughs> yeah, he's a very disturbing presence. Let's go. And that obviously happened uh, last week, Andy. Uh, comp starting uh, on Friday of this week. But tell you what, they're, they're loving the electro fishing these days as a way to kind of help them get their fish, hey? Oh, yeah. Spot some barrel on the side scan, pull up, press the big red button. It's like the taser at the fishing world. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's how they do a bunch of their fish in the age of COVID, yeah? Electro fish capture, tag. Store at the Darwin Aquatic Centre, Aquaculture Centre. Yeah, and then just release them wherever they want. It makes them. It, it makes the job a little bit easier, I think. So they're still they're still doing it sort of traditionally. They're going out, catching fish, tagging them, dropping them on the spot. But this is a way that kind of helps them do the whole job a bit more efficiently. I think. Mm, mm. Um, if there's one thing to come out of that that chat, it's the only concrete thing is that there is at least one fish in Manton Dam. Yes. Which, you know, we would have figured it was the case, but it's nice to hear it said by the man mm. in the turtleneck mm, mm. and the beret. We got two meteries that day and an 85. Yeah, she was on. Well, let's just call her Tinas. She just comes along and just pulls this stonker. Beautiful silver barrel. It's a secret. <laughs> Tales from the Tinny. Well, Fishos, we've spoken before about how the fishing on Groot Island is different. Well, the way they run their comps is also pretty unique. Last week, the 10th annual ladies' comp was run, and it was their biggest yet, with 156 anglers, which has got to be a decent chunk of the population, Beard, when you think about it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Out there on Ali and Gorba. Anyway, the aim is to catch as many of the 20 species on offer, and the winning team, the tackle boxes, uh, they notched 17 species. <laughs> Rachel Kleinschmidt is one of the anglers from that team. Congratulations, Rachel. Thank you. Before we go on, something needs to be said here, that, uh, that of all the anglers on Groot Island, of all the female anglers on Groot Island, 40, 50% maybe are actually called Rachel, so it was pretty hard to find you, actually. <laughs> yeah, there's a few Rachels around. <laughs> what, what is going on there? What is with Groot Island and Rachel? 
Oh, we're very popular people. <laughs> is, is that like a name given to particularly good anglers or does it just happen? I think, I think so. <laughs> now, you've notched up 17 of the 20 species. Uh, what went wrong with those three? Oh, that's right. Well, we didn't go to China, so we didn't get a Chinaman. <laughs> um, and we and there's no way in that rough weather that we were getting to mainland. So we didn't get a barra, nor did we get a salmon. So, nor, yeah. nor did anybody get a barra or salmon, by the oh, way. And this is It was rough. It was actually better weather the first weekend, but the second week, second weekend that we went out, absolutely disgraceful weather. There was no way we were going to get, get over the mainland. So Some of the numbers that we've seen from this competition are, are pretty incredible. The biggest goldie, 70 centimetres. The biggest nanny went 70. Oh. The biggest red went 70. Oh. 70. Yeah. There's a lot of 70s in there. That's like the numeric maybe equivalent of the name Rachel. Uh, the biggest <laughs> cod, 116. They're decent yeah, sizes. Kudos to them. Like we, we didn't catch many big fish. We did get the biggest dewy on our boat. Milani got the biggest dewy um, at 109 centimetres. But wow. um, yeah, we we sort of aim to just get species, um, not so much length. Um, I think that's that's the key. Is you just pick up and move on. Talking about species, Rachel, we hit up, I think it was another Rachel um, a couple of years ago about this very comp, and the list of species was a little bit different. Uh, one of the species on there was the remora, <laughs> but that's not on there this year. What's, what's happened no. to the remora? Oh, I think my husband's thankful for that because we broke a rod getting a shark in that had a remora attached to it. Oh. So I think, I think we damaged, we, we, we got rid of a $1,000 rod that day. Which is potentially oh. why they've taken the remora off so people oh. don't, aren't forced to catch sharks. Potentially. But we did catch a lot of sharks this weekend too. And another one of the species um, that teams struggled with was catfish. How does it feel, Rachel, when it's easier to catch a red emperor than, than to catch a catfish? Mm. I've never heard so many squeals on our boat. So the catfish was our last fish we caught with 16 minutes to spare. Um, yeah, so we caught we caught a catfish. Um, yeah, and normally you go, oh, God, I've got a bloody catfish. But, yeah, no, we were pretty excited about time. it. <laughs> no, not this time. You've never been that more relieved. Our, that was number 17, catfish. Wow. I mean, the whole concept of going to target a catfish literally is making my skin crawl just sitting here. It just feels so so abnormal. Not, did, not just target it, Andy, but 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 net it. Net it. Actually, get the net out for it, and, and then get and, and then and get excited. And the get brag it, mat. Get it, in the, get it in the boat on the brag mat. When we caught the catfish, it wasn't just yes. There was a whole lot of squealing going yeah, that's on. That's just. It's actually pretty cool. Did, do you have a special catfish spot that you go and? Go and unlock. Oh, Ooh, it's yeah, handy. we do. Oh, well, Cl- Kleine does. Yes, my husband does. He's my, our skipper. Big shout out to our skipper. He he's the one that I think he got the comp for us because he put us on the spots. Okay, the moments come. Take us to your caddy spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we, actually, we'd given up. So the, the, the thing was, we'd given up on a tuna because we just could not catch a tuna. Everyone else had caught a tuna. We'd heard about everyone catching tuna. And we couldn't catch a bloody tuna. So we went down and we thought, we'll catch this catfish in this spot. And then we saw a big flock of birds. We flicked. We got the tuna. Mm. And then we dropped for a catfish and got the catfish. So that was 16 and 17. Love it. Love it. As as much (laughs) as it hurts, I love it. (laughs) And it hurt a lot because, trust me, I think I had more bruises than we caught species. Yeah, yeah. I talked to one of the other teams uh, that, that actually spent four hours targeting catfish. And didn't get one. Oh. <laughs> so do you have a strategy when you, when you do this? Do you, do you go, let's go and sit on a reef for, for a few hours and then, and then chase pelagics? Or how does that work? We, we head out on dark, like 
Friday night, unfortunately, was a huge night. We rafted up with a few other boats and our skipper, let's just say he didn't wake up too well on uh, Saturday morning. Mm. No talking before 12. There was just a lot of hand signals um, and a lot of burly. <laughs> a lot of burly provided. <laughs> but we did. We headed out straight away. Yeah. Um, we, we caught out. Oh, seriously, within 40 minutes, I think we had our first fish. We had a 92-centimetre cobia. Oh, that'll do. Oh, yes. That'll do. Yeah. And then trolled for um, Mackie. And we got two Mackie, but then we dropped... Our skipper dropped the gaff over the side of the boat. Sounds yeah. like it's not oh, all he dropped over well, the side of the boat. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. But then we had a big gap between catch and fish, actually. I think it was between uh, nearly 7 o'clock till 12 o'clock. We didn't catch anything. Yeah, and then we end up with 11 species on the first day. Second day, mm. I think it it really tests you because the second day was, oh, the weather was so rough. It was, it was really disgraceful. The second um, day, actually, I had, I had friends that were surfing in, in uh, Yirkala and, um, yeah. and, the, and the waves were good. And, and so <laughs> if, if, if they're surfing, you know, uh, near Nolanboy, it's, it's going to be fairly, fairly rough around group two. Normally, if it had been that rough, there's no way we would have gone out, just quite frankly. But yeah, you know, ladies fishing comp. Mm. It's all go, all go, <laughs> all go indeed. Yeah, word around the campfire is um, it's fairly competitive, fairly fierce, very uh, secretive as to how many fish you catch, especially the first weekend. Nobody tells you how many fish you've caught. They've caught on the first weekend, and then even on the second weekend, people are very reluctant to sort of disclose how many fish they got how as does well. That, how so, does that manifest in conversation? How many did you catch? Yeah, a few. A few. Oh. We got a, we got a couple. Got, we got a, a couple. Yeah. It's, it's like the ones back at the boat ramp at the end of the day. We ask that question, and they go, "Yeah, a couple of rats." Or they got a couple of nineties in the esky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Fantastic talking to you, Rachel. Congratulations on your your success. Uh, and maybe maybe they need to change the name in the future to the Rachel Classic just to keep it simple. <laughs> yes. I think. Well, I think so. But I do want to have a huge shout out to our volunteers who. Um, support the competition. Alia Stevenson, Giselle Booth and Ruth Eberhardt. What a wonderful job they did. And big shout out to our major sponsors. Thank you so much for everybody. And um, if you're keen to sponsor, get onto the Groot Island Game Sporting and Fishing Club website and look us up. Good on you, Rachel, and congratulations to you and everyone that braved that weather to punch on, punch through, even put up with catch and caddies, <laughs> and for you guys to actually win it. Good on you. Cheers. Hey, thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. There is a fine line between fishing and just standing on the shore like a gormless idiot. The two are not, however, mutually exclusive. Tales from the Tinny. Hey guys, it's Mike here, living with Lagi and have done for, for many years. I quite often uh, visit uh, Nycliffe and uh, come down on the foreshore down here and about a week and a half ago I was coming past and I noticed a crowd of birds uh, hovering off the ocean about 40-50 metres off the cliff so of course being a fisher I had to go and quickly inspect and just see exactly what was going on. When I got over there what it was was there was a, a seagull um, sitting in the water trying to launch itself. The, the flock of seagulls was actually calling out for help for it. So uh, I've noticed a, uh, a vessel coming back towards the boat ramp. So I quickly rushed down there before they got a chance to uh, remove the vessel and asked them if they would kindly obliged to come and do a bird rescue. And the answer was yes, so uh, we, boarded, we boarded the vessel. 
We headed around towards the east over here of, uh, of the Nycliffe jetty and there was a the bird floundering. So we approached it and uh, got a hold of it nicely. It was pretty calm. It was just totally wrapped in, in, in fishing line, but there was no chance he was going to actually be going anywhere. The, the amount of line that I actually found around this bird was was enough to respool a, your, your fishing line, I would say. It was a good 100 metres plus hanging out either side of this bird and a good say 30 meters actually wrapped around this bird freed him off and um, i did the old you know savior thing i stood up and faced to the west and i held him up in the air and i launched him up in the sky and said free bird go you know and then he just went blop straight back out in the water oh no we did manage to get a hold of him again back to the boat ramp holding the bird quite uh, quite sternly around the throat so just to keep his beak off my off my bodies and got around here and um, brought him up to the top of the jetty, up on the cliffs here on the grass, placed him down on the ground and uh, poor bugger was still soaking wet. He was basically um, struggling just to carry himself around. So sat down for a good hour watching this fellow on the rocks here and all the other seagulls came over and I guess they were rejoicing that he's back on solid ground. And uh, my friend Donald was up here at the time and he was actually fishing, fishing off the rock. He had some bait here and he suggested I throw one of these fish to the bird. Lo and behold, bang, straight in. And he was feeling really good, which made me feel really good too, because he was on the move then. So he ate the fish. We sat here for a good hour. He was dry. I have to say, I didn't actually see him launch off the rock, but I believe did fly away safely after all that. Um, I was glad that we could uh, render assistance to this bird. What we need to really do out there is to, to really be careful about how we discard our unused fishing gear, right? It could be dangerous, i.e. a hook in your foot or someone else's foot, or a line wrapped around the bird as we did the other day. So please guys, stow it and bin it guys, and just keep it all safe and away from uh, everything else that is not as smart as us, eh? Fishermen, that is. Thanks guys. Yeah, good on you, Mike. And by the way, Andy, um, you'll be you'll be uh, happy to hear that uh, the Nightcliff Jetty is back in action. Great. Yeah, yeah. What a ride that's been, hey? Following the the, the to and fro and the you know the, the fixing the cross members and then painting the thingy and it's, it's just been nice uh, following that journey the whole way. I think. You betcha. Well, that's about it for us for another week, Fishos. Thanks to Clayton uh, Archbold, to Shane Compain, the man without the boat but with the credits and certainly with lots of the knowledge. Uh, to Brad Fanning, well, welcome back to the Territory in the Turtleneck and the Beret. Mm. Uh, and thanks to Rachel. Uh, to, in fact, thanks to all the Rachels on group. Thanks to all the Rachels anywhere. In the world. Everywhere. And of course to, uh, to Mick the Seagull Rescuer. Final thanks to uh, James uh, Chittleborough from the Bureau of Meteorology's Tide Unit for the expression regression of the lunar nodes. I'll definitely be wheeling that one out. Don't, don't worry about that. Sounds like a medical condition. <laughs> <laughs> just I mean, my lunar nodes are regressing. <laughs> and more importantly, thanks uh, for uh, for the worst and possibly only tide joke getting around. I might come across as a tidal bore, but it's no, no, it's the one on the day, really, mate. <laughs> hey, by the way, Andy, technically this is uh, the Tinny's seven hundredth episode. That, that's fantastic. It's a lot of episodes. It's a lot of episodes, a lot of mullets getting up, a lot of fish shows. Mm. It got me thinking, actually, like what one gives it as a gift for a 700th birthday. It's not paper, it's not gold, uh, it's not silver. It has to be one thing, right? A mullet. 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 It's got to be mullet. It's got to be mullet. Catch you next week, fish shows.